All right. So get your Bibles out because we're going to follow along. Don't ever trust a preacher, whether he's live, whether he's on TV. You always follow the Word of God. That's that's what we do here, right? That's 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 what we focus on. And for the church, we always have to focus on the future. All right. That's the title of the message. If you've got it in front of you, there. A lot of churches don't get this, and. You're already dead if you don't. Because, well, we remember the 2000s. Oh, my, did we have a great church in 1987. You know, that was a long time ago. It's a long time ago. And I still hear people say, we need to get that church back that we had in the 60s. Dude, I got news for you. Most of the people are dead. All right? No, you don't go backwards. People are like, well, you know, the 15th century church, that's when the church was the church. No, I'll tell you what. There's two things that matter in the church. The first century church, because that, these churches are a model for us, and our current church. All right? And if we're not looking to the future, our church is already dead. We constantly got to be looking toward where we're going because here is my, here is my teaching statement for the day. Write this down and then you're free to take a nap. We're getting old. Is there anybody that didn't know that when you came in? All right. Write that down. Write it down because you are. We all are. And it's so vitally important that we invest in the next generation. And that's what we're going to talk about today in Acts 16. But before we do, it's been a long time since I told you about my dog. Some of you have met Walter Dog. Uh, Walter J. Dog is his official, yes. Walter is a 90-pound bull mastiff. As you can see, he is one handsome creature. Um, but what you can see, if you look right deeply in his eyes, this dog is a genius. There is so much going on in this dog's head, it's really frightening. And so I, uh, I, I, I sat down with him the other night, and I looked him right in the eye, and I said, Walter, we're going to find out just how smart you are. And I held up a stick. Let him get a good look at it. I went 10 miles out on 40, and I threw that stick out into the woods. Two days later, Walter comes back into the front door with that stick in his mouth. That might seem a little far-fetched for some of you. <laughs> I do it to myself. What can I say? All right, you want the second one or you want me just to go on? Huh? You want the second one? All right. Pastor Greg, Pastor Greg was in Zimbabwe two weeks ago. Um, went down for a Bible college graduation of our college uh, down in, in, in Zimbabwe. And which, by the way, is exploding in growth. Uh, great things are happening there. Uh, but anyway, Greg wanted the full African experience. So he went outside one day and he's laying down in the grass to read his Bible. He just wanted to feel the ground and the earth. And, and so he's reading his Bible and he looks to his right and this is what he sees. He's like, <laughs> I'm in trouble. And he said, all I could do now is just keep reading my Bible and praying. So he lays there for another half hour, and then he turns to his left and back to his right, and this is what he sees. <laughs> Greg spent the entire day in the Word of God, and he learned a very important lesson about trying to read between the lines.
You're being kind. I can't believe this. This is. All right, here we go. We're getting old. So what are we going to do? Well, I'll tell you what Paul did. Now, Paul's a premier guy. They've already tried to kill him several times. Paul's smart enough to know that when Paul goes, a whole lot of other things are going to go. So he's got to do something. So Paul goes and he picks this young man named Timothy. Now, here's what we know about Timothy. Timothy's young. Timothy's very shy. And Timothy is riddled with anxiety. We know that from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1 and 2. Feel free to, to read that. But God led Paul to pick Timothy. Now let me tell you what happens to Timothy. This is not in the Bible. This is in history. Timothy ends up being the, the pastor, and that's maybe not the right word, but he ends up being the lead teacher at the church at Ephesus. You got the Ephesian letter in your Bible, right? Right? Ephesians, yeah. In the first century, before Timothy died, his church ran 50,000 people. Now, it wasn't like this. They met in homes, but Timothy was the lead teacher. A shy, awkward, anxiety-riddled guy that probably you and I would have passed over, but Paul picked him. And what did Paul do with Timothy? Paul trained him. Paul discipled Timothy. Now, this is going to get hard real quick. Our children need every single one of you. In one way or another, if we don't raise up this next generation to love Jesus and love the word of God, we're going to lose them all. And we won't be a church. And we can talk about how great a church it was in 2022, but that ain't going to help a lick 10 years from now if we haven't raised up the next generation. That's why we put all these kids out here on the stage today, to let you see what's there and what's available. But there are literally hundreds of children in this building right now on both wings that need somebody to teach them. Now, I'm going to put this in because I have to in today's world, all right? <clears throat> Men work with the guys, ladies work with the ladies, and you always work in groups and you work in public. You do not do one-on-one. -on -one. We don't do that. We're not jeopardizing anybody. But every single person's job is to train up. Every one of us should somehow be involved in the children's ministry or the teen ministry. And you're like, but you don't know what my life is like. Let me help you here. Okay? The best thing to change your life is for you to start teaching children. Because then you'll realize... I can't act like an idiot anymore. I can't use those words anymore because the kids are, are watching me. The kids are listening to me. No, I can't go do that. You want to grow as a Christian? Start training somebody else and realize they're watching you and it'll change you. So Paul picks Timothy. Now, they're in the middle of the Roman Empire. They got all kinds of problems. It's no crazier than today. But how about this story? Five-year-old. We have a picture of the five-year-old. Here's a five-year-old boy. He comes up to his dad. He says, Dad, can I have the keys to your truck? And dad says, this is, this is not hard. Work with me. No. No. Same kid comes up and says, hey, dad, can I have some whiskey? Dad says, Hey, Dad, can I smoke some cigarettes? No, you're five. 
can I have a sex change? Well, of course, son, because you know what's best. That's the culture they live in. Who's going to teach them differently? Who's going to teach those kids what a godly man looks like, what a godly woman looks like, what a godly marriage looks like? You say, well, my marriage isn't too godly. Well, you better fix that while you're training the kids. Do you know, this is from Dr. Dobson. There are schools out west. Your children go into school. They have what they call changing rooms. Where you can go into the room and change into the other clothes of your sexual choice. Go to school and then go back into that room and change and come home so your parents never know what's going on. Do you think our kids need role models? And you can sit there and listen, there's two choices always for the church. We can curse the darkness or we can turn on the light. I'm telling you today, there needs to be a flood of people. I'll help in the children's department, whatever it takes. I'll help in the teen department, whatever it takes. Maybe it's an hour a month. I'll be a teacher. I'll be a coach. You know what? I'm not into any of that. I can pass out popsicles. Great. Then you're there to encourage those kids. You're showing them that somebody cares about them. Because if their role models are coming out of the NBA and Major League Baseball and Hollywood and rap music, it's no wonder we have the situation that we have. They need some real role models. 2 Timothy 2.2 said it this way. This is Paul talking to Timothy. Paul's already got Timothy trained. He says, Timothy, the things you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, you entrust them to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. In a very real sense, we're here today because Paul trained Timothy and Timothy trained some kids and those kids trained some kids. And 2,000 years later, here we are. The church is either going to go forward on our watch or we're going to be sitting there going, man, Tomoko was a great place 20 years ago. That is not acceptable. That is not acceptable. Let me tell you, here's a, here's a hero guy, all right? Haven't done a hero guy for a while. Let me get his name. Let me get his name right. Uh, this is uh, Captain Hanson Gregory. All right, you're going to love this guy, all right? You can look him up if you don't trust me. But this this guy really should be on most of your refrigerators. This guy is a hero. Anybody know Hanson Gregory? The inventor of the donut. You can get that colorized if you want, or if you want to keep it real, you know, but just put him there as, without him, without him, think of what your life would be. All right. Okay. Granted, we'd be a little healthier, but think of all that we would have missed. You know what? If we don't give kid role, kids role models, they'll find them. They'll, they'll just, they'll gravitate to, and guess who they're going to gravitate to? Whoever's the loudest, the flashiest. But the advantage we have is that we're personal. And when kids can sit with you and say, you know what, I have a question. And it's not some ridiculous thing coming out of Hollywood. They've got a person they know will answer them in an honest way. That's what discipleship looks like. All right? Now, Paul takes Timothy, and what do they do? They go to strengthen the churches. They went out to build up the churches. Now, there's only one way to strengthen the church. You've got to teach them more word. That's the only way. 
And in today's society, we got all kinds of craziness. That's why the churches aren't being strengthened. Because you got every opinion and thought and foolishness and you name it, it's going on in the church today. The only way to strengthen the church is to give them more and more and more of the word of God. But then make sure they go and do it. When I was a kid, maybe you remember this. There were people wandering around church and they, they would, they would come to Sunday school class with their, they'd have like a sash, like Boy Scouts, and they would have pins. And they would have 50 years of Sunday school pins. And they were so proud of that. Listen, I'm not against that. Great. So in 50 years, you never thought about serving? In 50 years, you never thought, maybe I should be a teacher. At what point do you have enough that you should be pouring into the next level? You know what? If you don't think you can handle teenagers, start with the nursery. Start with a two-year-old. They'll give you a run for your money. <laughs> and there's other people that are gifted with teenagers. Listen, different. They're messy. They smell. I was a youth pastor for five years. Listen. There are kids that were in my youth group that are serving Jesus all over the world. I didn't do anything. All I did was give them a safe place and taught them about Jesus. Jesus did the rest of it. But if somebody doesn't invest in those kids and strengthen the church, and listen, the church will only be as strong as you are. It's, it, my band director taught me this when I was in high school. He said the band is only as strong as its worst member. I always thought, that's crazy. We had one of the greatest trumpet players in the state. We had one of the greatest trombone players, one of the greatest tuba players. And he said, that's great. But the rest of you are really mediocre. And with that being said, he said, your job is to make sure you're not the worst one in the band. Now, that sounds like a strange way to motivate us. But you know what? None of us wanted to be that weak link. And I knew I wasn't any good. But I wasn't going to be the one to let the band down. And so I learned and worked enough that at least I wouldn't be the one to cause the problem. Maybe that's the kind of motivation you need today. I got to grow. I got to get stronger. I got to know more of the word. I'm amazed, even with all that we push, how many people still say, ah, no, I, know, I don't read the Bible. I don't pray. I, you know, Listen, if you're dependent on me, you're just getting, you're getting a little appetizer once a week. You can't live on that. You've got to be in the word yourself and you've got to be growing deeper. Because the junk that's being thrown at you every single day, every TV show, every movie. And listen, here's what you don't know. These people know their Bible. Because the things that are said in the movies and on the TV shows, they are exact, they are statements. Here's what the Bible says, and they say exactly the opposite. Could not happen by chance. They read the Bible, and they will say the opposite. And if you don't know what your Bible said, you're going to sit there and just nod at these crazy people. Instead of going, uh-uh, no, 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 that is not right. But... You got to know the word and it's got to be incumbent on all of us to strengthen the church. So what can I do to make this church stronger?
And what can I do to make churches around me stronger? And what can we do to make churches around the world stronger? That is all what Paul was trying to do. He trains Timothy and he makes the church stronger in Timothy by eventually placing Timothy in this church in western Turkey. And he says, Timothy, it's yours now. Wrote him two letters, first and second Timothy. He wrote to him twice to teach him and encourage him. But then on it was Timothy and God that made it happen. But somebody had to be there to strengthen the church. So it starts with us. And then you and I get somebody else and a group of others. And we encourage them. We teach them. We work together. We do life together. And in so doing, we strengthen the body of Christ. Here's what Ephesians 3.20 says. It says, now God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Actually, it goes on to say through Jesus Christ. All right. So God can do immeasurably more. But God, God only works through his people. God can do anything he wants. But he's chosen the church to be the key through which he's going to work. Let me give you this story out of California. If you didn't see this one, you can, I know people were looking it up last night because they were mocking me afterwards. But in the state of California, they wanted to get some kind of special environmental exemption for a bumblebee. They were trying to prevent something from happening. And so the state court of California said that a bumblebee is now classified as a fish. Look it up. Look it up. Why not? See, we live in an age where truth is being stripped away. Marriage, man and a woman. Or is it women and a couple of horses? Um, sexuality in itself. Life itself. Listen, when you see the crazy stuff that's going on in our society today, I want you to listen very carefully. When you, Satan likes to work underground. He does not like to come out and show himself. When you see Satan operating as openly as he is now, it's not his best card, it's his last card. And so it is incumbent upon the church to move forward during this time. And the last thing that happens as a result of this, as a result of Timothy getting picked, as a result of teaching and teaching and teaching, strengthening the churches. Look at the last line. And it said, the church grew daily, those who were being saved. 28 years ago, Tomoka Christian Church took that verse... And we started praying it. Me, few staff members, elders, prayer team. We started praying, Lord, if you could save a person a day in the first century. They grew daily, right? They grew daily those who were being saved. If you could do it then, you could do it now. So for the last 28 years, we've been praying that God would have somebody get saved every day of every year. 365 people a year would be saved. And if you do that over a period of 30 years, you can grow a pretty good-sized church. 
And so today, Andy Romano Park at 6 o'clock, we'll be having beach baptisms. Uh, We've already had two baptisms this week. I think there's 12 at least scheduled for tonight. If you need to accept Jesus, this is the perfect opportunity. Now, you can do it here online. You can hit that button. I've decided Pastor John, his fingers are ready. He is ready to respond to you. Pastor John is such an incredible blessing to this church, our online pastor. If you're here, you can come up front. You can you can talk to folks or you can just show up out at Andy Romano tonight at six o'clock and it will be the beginning of a whole new life for you as you surrender to Jesus. You know what happens? All right, I told you we were old when we started. How many of you remember the Beverly Hillbillies? I rest my case. Um, but there's an analogy there. They were a bunch of old hillbilly hicks that all of a sudden ended up in a mansion. I want to tell you something. The mansion we're going in is not Burbank. It is so more, so much more incredible. We're coming from an old sinful life. And because of the blood of Jesus, we are being moved into the kingdom of God. Either at the second coming of Jesus or at our death. Either way, we step into the most incredible place. That transformation will be that dramatic. One more verse. This is in Second Peter. I want you to pay very close attention to this. All right. First Peter builds you up. Second Peter will punch you in the face. All right. It says, for they mouth empty boastful words. Okay. It's talking... He's talking about the pastors of the churches. They will mouth empty, boastful words. And by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in air. It's a lot in there. Okay. So you got people that have accepted Jesus... And the preachers are so corrupt, and the preachers are pushing sin and lust and the cultural norms, that the people who are just being saved have to fight to pull themselves out of their own false teaching that they're sitting under. That's why it's imperative that all of us step up and say, you know what, i got to teach. I'll be a small group Bible study leader. I'll help with children. I'll help with teens. Whatever I got to do. I'll finish with this. You see the, whenever it was, the Queen of England. Some of you guys are into that stuff. Let's just say I'm not. Um, What we have celebrating her 300th year on the throne or something, whatever it was. Um, I really, I I quit caring about 1776 was really when I... uh, when I changed the channel on that, you know who I feel bad for. I feel bad. I feel bad for the son, dude. You ain't never going to be king. That lady ain't going to die. You're, you know, it, it, it's 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 just a tough deal. Um, but what was seventieth anniversary? Okay, seventieth anniversary of her being queen, and she finally shows up in public, and all of England goes crazy. You saw the pictures: people screaming and yelling and celebrating. 70 years, old queen, okay. What do you think it's going to be like when the king of kings steps into history, 
what kind of a celebration is going to go down at that moment. Listen, I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. That's why I want you to know Jesus, because it's going to be the celebration beyond all the celebrations, and it's going to last for all eternity. All right? So, Father, I, uh, I just pray that uh, as we wrap this up, that you would speak to people's hearts. Yes, there are some that need to accept you, some that need to be saved, some have never been baptized. Some never have surrendered uh, as adults. Maybe they were baptized as babies. They, their parents made a decision, but they've never made a decision. I pray this is the day. Others have been content to sit or maybe just to give, but not give of themselves and realize that the future of the church is in our hands right now. So, Father, convict us, challenge us, and use us in Jesus' name.